welcome Hoosier fans to another episode of the Doing the Work podcast, as tonight we discuss some new activity for the IU women's basketball team. I'm your host today, Kathy Amos, and I'm here, as always, with my co-host, Jeff Marlowe. And today we um, <clears throat> will be doing a new show, or doing another episode for you of Doing the Work. It's a newer show on the Back Home Network, and we are dedicated to covering IU women's basketball. Um, for tonight, what we have planned is um, somewhat of a bit of a shorter um, episode, we think, for you. We'll get you caught up on some news. We'll talk a little bit of the conference realignment that's going on. And then we did get a few um, questions submitted via Twitter, and we'll try to address those as well. Um, but as always, as we do on most of our shows, we are going to start with our banner moment. And for me, the banner moment came just a couple of days ago on July 11th when the IU women's team announced that the women will be hosting North Carolina at Simon Scott Assembly Hall on December 1st for the Big Ten ACC Challenge. This is um, a very huge announcement for the team. It's also going to be, I think, back-to-back -back days now where the men will play North Carolina in uh, Bloomington and the women playing North Carolina in Bloomington. Um, and for those of you who maybe don't know much about the UNC women's program, last year they finished third in the ACC with a 25-7 and overall record. And currently right now in the way-too-early top 25 preseason ranking, they're number 10. And as a reminder, Indiana is right now ranked at number 11. So this should be a really fun and challenging non-conference matchup for our women. And of course, who wouldn't look forward to two back-to-back -back IU North Carolina matchups? So um, this is really great, uh, I think, for the program. And overall, um, not just that we're playing North Carolina back-to-back -back at home, but I, I, honestly, I think the reason I picked this for my banner moment anyway is this really is showing how our program, our IU women's program, is starting to get a lot of respect nationally and getting a lot of um, ver uh, I, I don't know we would have gotten a matchup like this, say, three or four years ago. And so I think this really shows how quickly we're gaining, gaining on that national level. So for me, that was our, our banner moment um, that we've had here recently. And as always, our banner moment is sponsored by Homefield Apparel. Um, Homefield actually has recently just come out with an awards program. So, yep, just like you hear awards program with other places, you can now have an awards program with Homefield. So if you have um, a tendency to want to go out and buy several things from Homefield, you can now get rewarded. Um, so you can earn points there. You can move up and, and there are different tiers that they have. If the more points you earn, the more perks you will get. So, for example, um, once you get to a certain level, you can actually get free shipping from them 100% of the time. Um, you can also use those points for future pur purchases as well. And they're constantly coming out with new schools. In fact, they just came out with their latest, latest one, which is Oklahoma. So even if you like other schools besides Indiana, there's usually something you can find, whether it's for you, your friends, or your family members, and they make great gifts. So um, whether you uh, want just IU gear or other, they probably have something, and they're always expanding. They even have stickers. So go out to homefieldapparel.com. Um, if it's your first time purchasing, um, congratulations for waiting so long. I'm, I'm really impressed with your willpower. Um, but if it is your first time, you can use HOME, H-O-M-E, as a promo code and get 15% off of that first purchase. And, and again, that promo code is HOME, H-O-M-E, and that'll get you 15% off. Um, so go out to homefieldapparel.com and you can wear one for the team. Okay, Jeff, I'm going to just quickly run down 
Um, a lot of the headlines that have kind of come out since uh, the last time we had a podcast, which was in middle June. So it's been a while since we've we've talked. And then I'll kick it over to you and you can pick any of those that you want to go into more in depth on or touch a little bit on each one, uh, whatever you really feel like doing. So I'll go back to June 19th. This was when Coach Morin, who was um, the assistant basketball coach for the USA women's under 18 basketball team, um, that team won a gold with her help as, as an assistant coach. On June 21st, uh, Indiana announced that they're going to have a year-long celebration and recognition of all of the positive impacts that Title IX has brought to um, women's sports in particular. Um, Title IX this year is actually celebrating its 50th anniversary. Um, if you want to know more about what Indiana is doing and different things that they're coming out with, you can go to iuhoosiers.com slash Title IX50. Um, and again, Title IX, it's IX, the, the Roman numeral nine. Um, there were some IU women athletes that included um, Mackenzie Holmes and Candor Brown, as long as as well as athletes from other sports that actually participated in the Big Ten Women's Leadership Summit. That happened on June 23rd. Um, the next day on June 24th on Twitter, they announced that Simon Scott um, teams, the team center inside Simon Scott. Oh my goodness. <laughs> on June 24th, they announced that the team center inside Simon Scott was going to get a, a renovation. This includes the locker room, team lounge, training room, and the coaches meeting room. Um, July 12th, um, which was just yesterday, Allie Patberg was named Big Ten Outstanding Sportsmanship honoree for last year. They announced that Hoosier Hysteria is set for October 7th. And last but not least, for sure, the Hoosier Hysterics NIL Collective announced several things, but that includes for the women specifically, another basketball camp that they held last year will be held again this year. The women's team will be um, running that camp. It is on August 21st, and you can go out to HoosierFantasyExperience.com, and that's where you can learn more about the camp, other things that they're doing, and you can sign up a child um, to go to that camp. Whew, that was a lot, Jeff. What's on your mind today um, as we kick it to you for your coach's corner? Well, and, and Kathy, I think I, I totally agree with you on the banner moment. I, I think that would have been my pick if I was hosting this week that um, to get a big, uh, again, another huge um, uh, opponent in the ACC challenge, the Big Ten challenge at home. I was really expecting to be on the road this year. Um, yeah. So to be home two years in a row was quite the surprise for me. I thought that was also a positive. I think that tells you that they, the, the the people who put the schedule together believe that our fans will turn up in, in decent numbers, if not huge numbers, for the ACC Big Ten Challenge game because you would think the ACC tends to historically draw a little better than some of the Big Ten schools do. And so for us to get that game at home, I guess the UNC is huge for me, uh, but I think you're going to see a very good team, uh, two very good teams, let me put it that way. Um, and so um, I think that was a, a big part of it. UNC finished third, as you mentioned, in the ACC last year behind uh, Louisville and NC State, uh, two teams who we, you know, we haven't played Louisville. I, I kind of was wanting a Louisville matchup. Yeah, I really was. I really wanted the Louisville matchup, but um and so, I, but I, you know, again, this could be kind of thing that's a possible NCAA tournament preview game. We could very well see those Tar Heels again in the women's tournament come March. Um, I did want to add one thing on the news. I thought all oh, that was good, but I just happened to see this yesterday on Twitter. And, and all of a sudden, as I was thinking about this, while you're going through the headlines, I've gone kind of, so you might have to tell me the, um, the Israeli girl, Yardine, is yes. 
playing with an Israeli national team right now. I'm not sure exactly what the 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 tournament is or anything, but I know she is not on campus as of at least the, to yesterday. She I saw on Twitter she was playing, but putting up some really good numbers according to what I saw on Twitter. So, um, and so that's another headline that I would throw in there. But other than that, I really I thought the banner moment was spot on. And then also I add in about Homefield. Was it stickers or now they had something on Twitter today? Something about I thought I couldn't tell whether that was a sticker or like a wall, you know, like poster of the bison that they were that they were promoting. So you know, Homefield's something even new today. I haven't. I I was crazy busy at work today, so I haven't been on Twitter much. So I might have missed something from Homefield. I know they've come out with some Indiana stickers, so maybe yeah, they have some like. I don't know, wall decals now too. <laughs> and also one thing I'll add in here as a headline, Kathy and I, we had some conversations with Jared last week. We have created a Twitter page called DT, uh, that is for our for us, the podcast, DTW, uh, IUWBB, I know. But if you search on Twitter, you can find us. And, and Kathy and I are, are excited about being uh, having the presence on Twitter as well. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Jeff, anything else with those headlines or anything else that I might have missed because it has been a while. So, but I think, uh, I think we covered most of them. Um, yeah, I thought that was, uh, that was pretty good. And I'm really excited to see what um, the team locker room renovations will look like when they're completed. I know they've got some sketches online at the IU, at the IU Hoosiers.com website, but I'll be, I like to see more of the finished product sketches don't do yeah. much for me, but I'll be interested right. to see what it looks like when it's finished. Yeah, I, I am too. I think, and again, it goes to, uh, a recruiting. It goes to how our, our administration is supporting the women's basketball program. And so I think that just does nothing but positive impacts for the program going forward, but not just the current players, but again, the, the future of the program as well. And investing in the program. And one thing I will throw out here is a headline. I know some of our fans were a little uh, perturbed back in, 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 in January, February, but congratulations to IU's, uh, the IU women's all-time leading scorer, Tyra Buss. She got married uh, mm-hmm. here in the last week or so. So congratulations to Tyra Buss. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, Jeff, well, um, let me go ahead and move on and Mm -hmm. let's talk about the conference realignment. So I know Crimson Cast put out, it seemed like about five or six cabillion or so podcasts. So if you're interested in more of the history of what's going on with both conference realignments as well as impact from USC and UCLA announcing that they're joining the Big Ten, I would highly recommend going out to wherever you get your podcast listening. And if you have not, there's at least four, if not five, Crimson Cast um, podcasts that Galen did for the most part with by himself, with um, Scott, with other people that he interviewed. And for me, it was very eye opening. And I was really, uh, it was really educating for me on, on understanding how uh, that that was going to kind of impact the Big Ten and, and a lot of speculation on what might continue to happen with it. But I think for today, what you and I were going to really concentrate is how um, USC and, and UCLA coming in will impact the Indiana women or the Big Ten women's programs, I think, and, and specifically in the conference. So what I was thinking is I would just I would start with USC. I grabbed mm-hmm. some stats and some information on them. I didn't really know a whole lot about USC and their women's program. So I'll run down a few. Um, kind of fun facts that I found about them, and then I'll kick it over to you for whatever thoughts you have on USC specifically. So, um, last year, for reference, in the big, or excuse me, in the Pac-12, USC finished tenth. They had a record of twelve and sixteen. 
Um, they have not been in the NCAA uh, um, for quite a while. They have been um, out of it since 2014. They got in that year when they won their conference tournament. They were really strong back in the 1980s. They actually had three Final Four appearances, including two titles in that decade. And just for fun, because these are some names I, I recognized right away, I found some notable past players. Um, so Lisa Leslie played for them from 1990 through 1994. And then Cheryl Miller played from 1982 through 1986. Um, and I think um, if I'm remembering correctly, when I was looking at it, Cheryl Miller actually coached USC for a couple of years as well, too, in the early 90s. Um, so our, I think she might have even coached Lisa Leslie. So those are some fun facts I had on USC. So what are your thoughts, though, um, Jeff, on USC joining the Big, uh, Big Ten? <laughs> Well, I think it, a lot of it will probably go back to some of the things you might get on the Crimson Cast. If you happen to catch uh, the conference realignment talk a couple of weeks ago on AC Radio, um, I, I will tell you, I was shocked when I first heard it and how quickly it seemed to yeah. go from the time it leaked out to the time it was finished up. But I'm sure they were using uh, way more. They, they'd been discussing this for way longer than we were aware. Um, I get it. I realize it's football driven. I, I really do. Um, and, and, and you couldn't only take one. I mean, it just was never, you can't take one Los Angeles school. You really had to get both, or I guess maybe at least one other California school to go along with them. But those two give you a, that Los Angeles market that is going to really drive. And what's interesting is I believe when those two schools, again, football driven, when they come in, that that's about time the new TV contract starts to, to take effect. And so now you'll have the BTN, uh, with access to, you know, the, you know, I think of the five largest markets, they'll have four four of the five largest markets covered. Um, I, I do think that SC historically is a great program. You also had Cynthia Cooper, former mm -hmm. WNBA yeah. player who coached at SC uh, here in the last 10 to 15 years. It's just to a lot of certain, to a certain degree, there's some real parallels there between another program that we all kind of seem to be familiar with that, that rode a long time and is really, you know, kind of trying to find its footing. Um, I didn't go looking deep into stats on them. I was like you, I kind of looked at their base, base records over the last few years and they've really struggled. I will be, I, I will say this about SC. They have hired Lindsey Gottlieb before last season, and Lindsey Gottlieb had had a really good track record at Cal. Um, when she was there, she took them to a final four. And then she also and then she got an assistance job in the NBA with the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, so now she's coming. She's come back into the college game. But I think Lindsey Gottlieb will do a pretty good job there. But again, that's an uphill fight. I mean, the, you look at the, you know, they're going to be coming into the to the Big Ten where you know, the 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 conference top heavily right now with IU. Iowa. And again, you're talking a couple years down the road, but Maryland, this is not going to be an easy league for SC or UCLA to come into and per se dominate. Um, I will say this also, I don't think they're done. Uh, I think you got to find a way to get maybe one or two more West Coast schools, more for some of the other Olympic sports, the other non-revenue sports to make the travel worthwhile. But I would say this is going to be, you know, this to me seems pretty obvious that if you play SC, you're going to play UCLA on a travel partner type basis. Right. You're, if you're, they're not, I can't imagine they send you out to Los Angeles for a oh, one game trip. Right. Yeah. I would agree with all that, Jeff. Um, I, I, um, 
yeah, I didn't look at much into Lindsay Gottlieb. I recognized the name, but I wasn't quite sure where from. So that's good background to know uh, that she's probably got, it seems like some good coaching pedigree and maybe can get the team. It's because it seems like they've been, they've been kind of sliding here um, quite a bit the last five years or so. Again, since 2014, they haven't made the tournament. So um, USC was an interesting ad for us from a, a, a women's basketball perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's move on then a little bit specifically about UCLA. So here's some things I found about UCLA. Um, last year, they finished seventh in the Pac-12, so definitely better. They had an 18 and 13 record. Um, they did not make the tournament last year, but they did go to the WNIT last year, and they went to the Final Four and lost to South Dakota State. They did make the tournament um, in CAA. Um, tournament in 2021, um, which was their 17th overall um, appearance in the tournament since 1983. They have won two titles in 1999 and 2018. And one notable player I found was Natalie Williams. Natalie played for the Indiana Fever. So they've been coached here um, by Corey Close for quite a while, since around uh, the 2011-2012 season. Um, and she seems to have had them on a pretty steady state around that hovering between that that third and fifth range in the Pac-12. Um, dropped off a, a bit last year on the um, with that seventh round finish. So um, it seems like UCLA might bring a little more to the table than USC will in terms of women's basketball. But what are your thoughts on, on UCLA? I think UCLA will be more competitive, at least based on the last few years uh, when they come into the league. I think, as you mentioned, Corey Close has done a nice job out there. They have not made the tournament every year with Corey as the head coach. But when they've made the tournament, Kathy, they've won a game. They have not, from what I can tell, they've not been a one and out uh, in the NCAA tournament. If they've made the tournament, they've they've gone at least to the second round. They had um, uh three sweet 16s and, a, and an late eight. And then the COVID year, they probably were going to be a top four seed. Mm-hmm. I mean, they yeah, were, they they were going to be set up to host. Yeah. Yeah. They were 26 and five and they had finished second in the pack 12. I got a feeling they would have been set up to host a first and second round game at Pauley pavilion had COVID not canceled that tournament. So you were probably looking at another decent run by the UCLA women in the NCAA tournament there. So I think they will have an opportunity to be a little more competitive. I'm not saying they're going right to the top, right. but I could see them easily being in that top four or five conversation. And, and I want to say either in that cope, the, the year of COVID 1920 or the year before the IU women played them. I I, I should have went back and looked for the schedule on this. And I didn't, this is my apologies to our listeners, but I want to say, it seems like we played them in a, in a non-conference like tournament or, or so like, you know, down in the Bahamas, something like that. And maybe I'm wrong, but, but they, it just seems like if I remember them being on the schedule in the last few years and, and maybe my timeline's a little iffy. Sure. Um, so, yeah, I don't think anything specific to those two teams that I wanted to add. I, I did want to go back to your comments about that. You don't think the big 10 is done adding teams. And I, you know, from again, most of my education has come from um, Galen and his Crimson Cast podcast. I'll be fully transparent with that. But um, the few other podcasts I've been listening to, the one consistent team that I've heard that is very intriguing for people wanting to come to the Big Ten, at least, well, maybe not wanting, but is being considered as Notre Dame. And I know it's mainly from football. However, from a women's basketball perspective, I think that would be way different than the two teams, USC and UCLA coming into the team. They're a much higher caliber. They have that pedigree coming in. Um, you know, they, they did great last year in the tournament and they have historically done great. I think 
from a women's basketball perspective, that would be really exciting to add them to the conference too. But what are your thoughts on Notre Dame um, as a potential Addie to Big Ten? I, I, I agree with you. It's all going to be dependent upon football. I think Notre Dame is who they want. I think that, but I'm of the opinion, I think Notre Dame is going to hold out for as long as they can, because I personally think they don't want to share their TV revenue, uh, sure. especially their football revenue with anybody, even though that probably would be a huger number, huger, is that, I, you know, I teach, a, a, <laughs> a much a much bigger number than they're than they're currently getting on their own. But let's face it, it's a, it's a, it's a recruiting cell right now. And you can go to recruits and go, Hey, we play on NBC every week that we're home and, and you're going to be on national TV. You may be on TV every week in the big 10, but you're also sometimes going to be over on BTN and things like that. I, the one that intrigues me the most, Kathy, I, as I get Notre Dame and I don't know how much Galen and, and talk to you, I didn't have a chance to listen to all of them, but um, uh I, I, Oregon intrigues me. I, I still think they need at least one more West Coast school. And and Oregon would be one that would intrigue me uh, as well. Um, from like a women's and, basketball perspective? Yeah, you mean? from yeah. a w- women's basketball perspective, yeah. just because of the success that they've had over the last few years. Now, whether they can sustain that, as we talked about in one of the earlier broadcasts when we were talking about Sydney Parish, they they had a few kids into the transfer portal this year as well. But I think that's, I think every school is going to fight the transfer portal. Now I, I really do. I think that's as, as long as the rules remain the way they are, I'm not sure any school is going to be really immune, you know, from over time. I, you might be able to go one year like the IU men did this year where we didn't really lose anybody to the portal. But I think that as you get, when you look at two, three, four year cycles, I just think you're going to see, you know, programs have that. But yeah, Oregon's one intrigues me. The one that also that would intrigue me, um, from a women's basketball perspective, Stanford, bring yeah. in another private school. If you're going to bring in Notre Dame as a private school, Stanford's there, a private school that would just flat out intrigue me. Yeah. I would, and I will I, say I, Phil's yeah. in the workaholics here. Phil, Wash, if they don't get Notre Dame and I think they feel like they got to make a decision, I, to me, Oregon and Washington would be the two schools they really go after. Yeah. Because you want that Seattle market. Yeah. So. Um, so, of course, the one thing we really haven't mentioned, Jeff, is our podcast and the impacts to us and just level setting and transparency for all of our listeners. We will most likely not do live post game shows if they play out on the West coast. No, <laughs> no, those will be the next day. You know, I'm not, st- I don't think either one of us are staying up till one o'clock to, to do no. the post game, but I would say, I think our workaholics might be there if we did. Yeah. Jeff and I actually have daytime jobs, so <laughs> we will need to sleep and get rest for that. But um, anything else on the but conference? The other life? thing, yeah. I do think, uh, I do think from a standpoint, I'm not sure how much Terry Morin will take advantage of this early on, but I think it does open some recruiting to some California area kids because now you can look at those kids and go, Hey, you're going to be on TV in this market every time you play. I mean, you're going to, you know, you're, you're in the big 10 BTN's available in LA with all this. So, you know, there, I think it opens a little bit of a recruiting door to some California kids. Yeah. Great. All right. Well, then we'll go ahead and move on to our last segment, which is our mailbag. Um, I will um, say this as well up front for transparency to my listeners. There is a lot of conversation on Twitter and I wasn't hundred percent sure if I got all the questions in here um, that were t- from Twitter. Some of them, not even sure if they were directed at me and Jeff or if they were uh, directed to other people on Twitter, but I captured what I did and we'll, we'll just, uh, we'll just quickly go through them. So um, Richie Carter on Twitter did ask, do you think coach Moran lets Grace Berger ask 
average 38 to 40 minutes a game like she has the last couple of years? Or is the talent there to give her some rest? I personally, Richie, personally hopes that she only gets 30 to 32 minutes because Grace, with Grace, it could be a case of less is more in terms of less minutes, but more production. So, Jeff, I'll let you answer that one first. What are your thoughts on that? I will say this, I, as people, and maybe not everybody listening at this point knows this, as the host of the Grace Berger show this last season, I'm a huge Grace Berger fan as well. But in my opinion, if in year four, year five for Grace Berger, if she's playing 38 to 40 minutes, then I, I question our depth. I really do. I, I really would question how good the recruiting is going that, you know, you feel like Grace has to play 38 to 40 minutes every night. I totally agree with Richie. I think the the more you get that number down toward 30, maybe 33 at the high end, but that's going to pay dividends. I think Grace will be more productive. And it's not just game to game, Kathy. For me, it's more deeper into February and March where mm-hmm. she won't feel so fatigued. And I know Grace will say, no, nah, I never get tired. But let's face it, when you're grinding out 38 minutes every night, it eventually wears on you physically and mentally. And so I I totally agree with Richie. So I would have some real questions about the kids or or, or about how we looked at the recruiting process. If we at this point now with everybody we brought in can't get Grace Berger down to 33 minutes or a little less. Yeah, I I agree with that, Jeff. And, you know, again, we've talked about this on some previous um, podcasts here earlier this summer about at least on paper, we do look deeper, right? And we're also hoping and banking on maybe some of those, um, the transfers coming in, producing right away, but not just the transfers. I really think that we will see more from like Chloe Moore McNeil. She was really coming on strong. We have Caitlin Peterson. I still think, you know, she was a big recruit coming in as well. I still think that she has a lot more that she can give us and and see there. Um, and then you have some of the freshmen that are, are kind of wild cards, right? Like you have um, Garzon in particular, who, you know, as you already mentioned her when we were talking about the headlines and it kind of um, feeds into one of the later questions that we have. I mean, she's still playing overseas with Finland right now. Uh, and she's doing very well. And if she's doing very well with the national Finland team, I'm wondering how fast she'll be able to come in and contribute. Um, maybe not as a starting player, but, uh, definitely somebody that can come in and hopefully give people give enough quality minutes that we can get our starters some rest. Um, anything else on that question? No, I, I think I answered that one. Yep. So we've this, kind of talked about that one in different ways. We have different ways. So this one is that we've talked about it a little bit as well when we've done some of our trans and we did the transfer podcast in particular. But Phil Samuels, who Phil, nice to see you in the chat tonight as well. He asked, how quickly will the new talent mesh with the returning core? Will the freshmen or transfers have a more notable impact? And does the podcast get any opportunity to see practices before the season starts? So there's three kind of related, but not related. I'll take the last one, the fastest one. No, the podcast doesn't have that kind of um, um, access yet, <laughs> Phil. But if you know people, let us know. And we'd love to, to see if we can, you know, take an emergency trip to Bloomington and take a peek at practices. But no, we don't have that kind of clout yet. Um, so in terms of how quickly will the new talent mesh with the returning core? For me, Jeff, that one's just hard to know. I, I don't know enough about, you know, I mean, we've seen clips of some of the transfers. We've seen a little bit of Garzon and clips, very little of the other freshmen. So I have a really hard time knowing how they'll, they'll mesh. Again, on paper, it looks like they're, they have a nice balance. But do you have any thoughts on, on that question? 
We don't know. And I will agree with you. I think the thing I will say is I think the transfers will have a little easier time meshing because they've been through the college game. They know, you know, they may not know Terry Moran's system. And that will be the big question. And more here, I think the question here for Phil is I'll answer it this way. I'm not sure this will be quite the defensive team that we've had the last couple of years. I mean, we graduated two of our best defenders defenders in the program history and Ali Patberg and Nicole Cardano Hillary, not saying the others can't step it up, but do you, will there be a little bit of sacrifice of defense to get more offense on the floor? A, a Sydney Parrish, a, 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 a Scalia, uh, those kids who bring more of an offensive repertoire to the, to, at least on paper, to the team, and therefore you're not playing 60 to 55 games. We talked about this on a previous podcast. Or do you more go toward to try to play 75-70? And I think that's where you'll see a little bit more kind of that's what I'll be interested to see the mesh from that standpoint. But I think I will say this that I think that I, I really see we talked about kind of before, and I know Quang had asked about who was starting five, and we weren't going to spend a lot of time with that. Yeah. But uh, we talked about that in a previous episode. I think you see, you know, basically the one the only freshman I see is Garzon. The, the, she'd be the only one I think can crack the starting lineup. The rest of them will be veterans, whether they're returning for us or they're transfers in. Transfers in. Yep, I would agree with that. So that kind of dovetails well into Phil's um, second question. I rattled him off pretty quick, which is, will the freshman transfers have a more notable impact? I, yeah. I would say that the transfers will. Uh, back and, to your point to their, the more seasons, other than Garzon and is the wild card there, but I don't see much playing time for the other freshmen, um, personally, from what research that I've, I've been able to do. And I will say this for Phil, that if I was still coaching, I might be able to get into a practice because usually, at least in the past, when you were a head coach, you could call down or email and be like, hey, I'd really be interested in coming in and watching a practice um, and trying to get some ideas for my program, but I'm not coaching anymore. So it, it's, you know, it kind of one of those things now. Um, so, but that might be something we send to Ari on is if they do when they do media days, you know, down there for the program, maybe Ari can get in at least ask yeah. a few questions. And I'm sure they might do some walk through, you know, run through type stuff for for the media just to give the info, you know, but it won't be anything but a glorified, you know, workout and more than right. anything. But yeah, we don't have any access to preseason. And I don't remember last year, Kathy, do you did we do did the women do a um, like exhibition game before the season started that, you know, or did, I think maybe I don't even know if they have the same rules. And, and, and I, I didn't think about that when I was looking at the question. Now that I'm talking, it's like, do they even have the same rules as the men? Are they can they do an exhibition game against, say, an NAIA type school or a secret scrimmage? You know, I don't know. I don't even I know don't if they know do that. Not know. Um, so Quang, yeah, Quang had also asked, said, Morin really needs to play more players and use a deep bench. Do you think this can and will happen? I think we've already touched on that. But was there anything Get better? Else? Yeah, better back to everything we've already said. Um, he also asked starting five, who I think we've covered in previous ones. So our last one um, is a kind of a twofold question. Do we have any new recruiting information for the future? The only thing I know of are our commits that we have for 2023, that we have two, Lene Beaumont and Juliana um, Lamendola. I don't know anything else besides the incoming freshman, of course, but beyond that, I don't, I don't know much about who we might be recruiting. Do you have any access to that kind of information? 
No, I, I, and, and I, I really don't. And I, part of that may still also be a little dependent on, we know Grace's eligibility is up. And we know Mackenzie Holmes has said that she wants to be a Hoosier for as long as she can wear the uniform. But that still doesn't mean she won't look at the end of the year and be like, you know what? I've been told I'll be a top five, six draft pick in the WNBA draft. Hard to pass up some money. Right. Um, so honestly, I have not heard much on the recruiting front. That, the women's recruiting is starting to catch up a little bit in terms of its notoriety. Um, I know just from people I follow online that there were some tournaments going on, you know, kind of around the 4th of July, kind of similar to some of the men's AAU tournaments, but they just don't get covered nearly as much. So it's harder sometimes to know exactly where you are on the recruiting trail unless something really shows up on, on a Twitter feed or something like that. ESPN does a decent job with like the income, the, the rising seniors. But when you get past the rising seniors, maybe into the junior sophomores, it gets a little more iffy about exactly how much their rankings, uh, how accurate some of the rankings are. So, um, but I also will mention, as you talked about Garzon and, and, and Sandvik are still playing. As far as we know, they were still playing in the FIBA tournament and, um, they have not gotten, they have not gotten to campus yet. Yeah, exactly. So that was his second question when Garzan and Sandvik are arriving, arriving. Um, yeah, just as of, uh, July 11th, that's when you had mentioned in your headlines, Garzan was still playing for, um, Israel and, um, in that game specifically, uh, in their division B play opener, she scored 17 points. So we we're saying she had scored a lot of points. I, I was, I found my notes. It was, she had um, eight rebounds, two assists, two steals and a block to go along with that. So, um, and then, and in the win, yes, (laughs) the team won. And then, yes, Sandvik, um, is playing for Finland, um, as of July 8th. So we're assuming neither of them are on campus yet. Well, we know for sure Garzan is not, I'm assuming Sandvik is not either. We have no information on when that might be over. So, um, that concludes our mailbag, Jeff, anything else that, um, you want to touch on between headlines, conference realignment, or any of the questions we got this week? Um, I don't remember if we mentioned this on a previous podcast. I'm trying to remember exactly when it came out. It might have been it should maybe had in headlines, but I do know they announced numbers. I mean, yeah. you know, the kids coming back didn't change, but I know here in the last few weeks that they announced the roster in terms of numbers and heights and weights and things like that for the kids that are going to be on the team this year. So or the players, I should say, sometimes people get mad when I say kids. We're the players on the team. Um, and so, but I can't. Can't remember everybody's specific number, but if anybody wants to check that out, that's at the IUHoosiers.com website as well. Yep, absolutely. Um, okay, well, let me throw out some programming information for everyone. Uh, Jeff already mentioned it at the top, but I'll reiterate, we do have our own Twitter account right now. It is uh, doing the work. You can find us at DTWIUWBB. Um, it's a mouthful, but you should be able to search for don't, doing the work and find us. So if you haven't followed us yet, um, we'd love for you to, to follow along. Um, specifically, we'll be probably using that channel for a lot of our communication, which will include we're um, working right now and, and trying to get like our own YouTube channel set up. So right now we're still using youtube.com slash assembly call. Um, we will be trying to work up our own. We might be trying some other avenues of broadcasting our shows and, and things like that and trying to make our podcast a little more on its own and standalone separate from Assembly Call. We'll still be under the back home network umbrella, the same as Crimson Cast and Assembly Call. But we're kind of working through that as we grow and mature as a podcast. This is, again, as I mentioned, you know, Jeff by trade is a teacher and I, uh, I work for a manufacturing company and their finance company. So this is definitely not our forte. So forgive us if we have any bumps in the road here, but, um, 
Along that line, okay. though, yeah, go ahead. And I would just say also pay attention on the uh, assembly call uh, community page, uh, the assemblycall.com community page, because we're trying to add, a, you know, Jared has kind of given us the go ahead for Kathy and I to add some more content. If anybody was on there earlier, it's kind of dated now because I had a poll question on there about who would you like to see us play in the Big Ten Challenge, ACC Big Ten Challenge. So look for more things specific to the IU women's program on the assemblycall.com page as well. And one thing Kathy and I have been kicking around is possibly doing a happy hour type event uh, for those of you who've been supporting us here on the doing the work and, and, and can also spread the word. So we're, again, we're, a lot of things we're trying to, to that virtual we're looking at, but it's just, yeah, virtual happy hour. Thank you. Vir, virtual happy hour. But thank you. But we want to keep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And we want to keep all of our loyal listeners, but we're also trying to grow the podcast and, and as best we can. Yeah. Yep. So anything, I know, again, we have uh, a few people listening live right now and some that'll listen later. Um, if you have anything that you want for coverage, feel free to, to send us a message on that new Twitter account, a, a direct message. If you are on the, uh, um, the, the community, you can send us messages there. We uh, Maybe that might be a poll Jeff and I put out throughout some additional non-season um, topics, although our non-season um, time is quickly running short. Um, and we are having another show next week. Um, so I know we've already had one today on Wednesday the 13th, but we are following this back up with another podcast on Tuesday, July 19th. Um, Nothing uh, that I don't think we want to reveal just yet, but we do have actually a surprise guest that uh, is going to be joining us on Tuesday. And I'm pretty, I'm pretty excited to have this, this person onto the podcast. It's one we've been kind of working on for a couple of months and I'm excited to have, have them join us for a nice conversation. So um, we'll put that out and we'll be asking again for questions once we are ready to reveal um, who our special guest is. Um, as far as we know, as well as the call is going to have their regular scheduled Thursday night show tomorrow. Um, they have been having some scheduling um, conflicts with their own personal lives. And just because it's slow, they haven't had one every night. But as of right now, they're still having a show tomorrow. Um, OK, Jeff, that, I think that kind of wraps it up. So it's time for our last call. Um, what is your final thoughts for today? I really don't have a final thought, Kathy. I thought we covered a lot of things here today that we, and again, and, and in one of the future episodes, we are going to talk a little bit about the title, 50th anniversary of Title IX, but we're just, you know, we just really want to get everybody caught up. We hadn't talked to you in a month, so we wanted to kind of get you caught up on some of the big headlines. And obviously the big story since we had last done a podcast was the the addition of UCLA and USC. And we always like taking questions from from our fans, the workaholics in, in the chat and such. So, um, but other than that, just again, thanks to everybody for being here here and we'll see you next week like i say we have a it'll be on tuesday that is not our normal day but it'll be tuesday night um for that special guest yep absolutely so um again keep an eye out on twitter we will announce ahead of time who our special guest is so you can start start thinking questions uh thanks for everyone for listening uh make sure you also you can sign up for the is still a free iu hoops newsletter uh you can go um, find that at assemblycall.com as well and it's also where you can find information if you're not part of our community on how to join at join.assemblycall.com. And thank you really all for listening to us. We really appreciate it. And um, we'll be back again on Tuesday to talk IU women's hoops some more. But until then, keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim and go Hoosiers. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers. But you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. 
Auto Trader.